Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're all right. You're good. Hope you can hear me. As to usual, I have my usual tech paranoia. Uh, my guests are waiting patiently in the lobby. Darren Finnegan and Becky Gray are joining me today. I've been looking forward to this since uh, my good friend and colleague, Nick Levitas, I always mispronounce his surname there, probably. Was it Levitas or whatever? He really won't mind that. But he suggested this episode and recommended these good people to me. And this show is something that is long overdue, really important interventions, especially in this time. Uh, regarding public health, things like weight loss, alcohol and smoking management, that sort of stuff. And we all know it's important, but we all don't do it pay lip service. And so when people are doing good work and showing demonstrable outcomes in services, that is exactly the sort of thing we want to champion. And so I'm pleased that Darren and Becky will be joining me in a second. Um, thank you so much for all your participation on this week's shows. Um, it felt like a big gap because of the bank holiday weekend. And so it's really cool that the shows that we've done this week, we've just had a massive amount of interaction, both live, during, and then after the fact. And so for those that don't know, this is a live stream, yes, um, and great if you can join at lunchtime, but you can also, the, the video then exists after the fact in various different locations. Unfortunately, not cast to Twitter for some reason on this particular one, but it's on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. And so also, if you'd rather listen to it on audio, then you can find it on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts afterwards, soon after we just upload it as an audio. So that's simple. Uh, but those that are tuning in live, please get stuck in and get involved. Any questions you might have about this, especially because some of the suggestions that they're making, this is all pointless unless you bloody act on it, right? That's my whole thing. My whole project is that you've got to then take some of these ideas and then have a go at moving them into your own local context. Okay, that's really important. So if you feel that there's things there that don't feel like they're implementable or you've got questions that make them then feel more real for you and your circumstances, ask them. Please do let us know. And even if it's after the fact, I'm sure these guys will want to share that afterwards and we'll find other ways to potentially even have them back on the show um, if we need to. So without further ado, let me see if in a couple of clicks we can bring Becky and Darren in. So let me hide my little frame. This is the safe one. Becky, you can hear me. Hello. Yep. Yes, Good. I can. I'm we, here. I've arrived. That one's working, right? So then we've got now two Darren Finnegan's. Could, could the real Darren Finnegan please stand up? I've got one video that's just popped up. try that again. Becky, were you getting that squealing? Yes, I was. Yeah, I don't think there is a big track reversing where Darren is, but it sounded like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, just going to just gonna do a, a couple more tweaks our end and also just make sure that the, the live streams are all, are all working. But in, in the meantime, could you just start us off by telling us a little bit about what it is we're going to discuss today and what you guys have been doing? Um, you heard my intro. I hope that represents mm -hmm. it all right. Please do just yeah. give a bit of a whistle-stop tour of what it is you've been up to. Yeah, so it was a, a really good intro. Um, so I'm um, quite new to South Tyneside Service, actually. I used to work in it for Connect Health, but in, in London, in Camden. So um, I'm hoping Darren will pop on because he knows some of the stuff that was happening before I arrived. But um, already in the past four months, we've been 
there's been a kind of big push towards um, kind of a few different pillars really. So um, first of all, making every contact count. So as you can have a chat about that um, and, and trying to encourage staff to have conversations with patients about brief lifestyle interventions. So fitting it into um, our telephone triage, initial appointments and in our reviews. Um, so by that, obviously, we mean discussing kind of smoking cessation, alcohol, weight management, um, healthy lifestyle exercise, and then obviously you can branching out towards so kind of social prescribing and things from there. Um, so, um, yeah, so, so South Tyneside really, we, we've been very lucky in that, that the CCG have been very supportive of us kind of um, driving forward with um, kind of trying to get out there with the, the public health messages, lifestyle interventions. Um, we've done uh, a few kind of projects. Um, my, myself, one of the projects that I've worked on since I arrived is um, a waiting list project. So obviously with, with coronavirus, it was identified that orthopedic waiting lists have gone up and up. Yeah. Um, so so one of the projects i've been working on um with the local hospital in south tyneside is is a, a kind of information that gives a lot of kind of um little tips and tricks on preparing for surgery but a lot of that included the stuff we talk about in making every contact count so cool. the effects of smoking on healing um and generally preparing for surgery exercise diet weight management um so we've got kind of quite a few products going. Like I said, Darren's probably going to be the best one to talk about some of the other things, um, and especially the staff training that we've been doing as well to get well, everyone up to date. Let's give Darren. Let's let's pull one of Darren's streams in, see if it can uh, behave itself a bit better. So. <laughs> For some reason, that's still uh, feeding back really strongly. Mm. Try another one, Darren. Can you can you hear us on this on this particular one? We can't see you, but uh, is your audio coming through on that one? No, the the uh, the glory of complex tech. Sorry, Darren, we're still not able to to bring you in on that. Um, the 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 interventions that you're describing do you think it's reasonable mm. what i said about how we sometimes we know they're important but we can't help ourselves but to pay lip service to them and by that i'm not necessarily meaning that we you know it's like a it's a shameful thing right? i'm not saying mm. that because it, it's sometimes hard and it's sometimes like you open a can of worms and there's a few different consequences that come from that where it feels a bit socially inappropriate sometimes so i just wondered do, do you do you recognize that and is that a barrier you've yeah. to overcome yeah and i think traditionally probably the way we saw physio wasn't so much using these kind of getting involved in kind of the health coaching and that side of things so so there's been quite a change so i, I find personally a lot of the younger people that come through are, are a bit more prepared for those questions or might volunteer some of that information but particularly that maybe the, the patients in their 40s and 50s that have been through physio where things maybe are a bit more passive a bit more biomedical um there's a there's a there's a bit more resistance there and i think really those those um 
I guess those hesitancies though are, are, are ours as clinicians and it's something that we need to work through because actually I think we're perfectly placed and particularly off the back of, of COVID and we know mental health issues, we know people, um, a lot of people have adopted unhealthy habits to, to deal with the situation that we've been in. Um, and we know how closely that the, the mental health and physical health are linked with metabolic health and then subsequently with, with outcomes. Um, so I think as physiotherapists, we are we're we're in such a perfect position to have those conversations. Um, yes, okay. Sometimes those conversations around weight management and things, you know, do you feel your healthy weight at the moment and being able to develop on that can be um, sometimes a bit daunting. But we've got to remember that these patients expect it when they go to a GP practice. And, and, and you know, when you go to a GP, it's common commonplace to talk about your smoking, your alcohol habits your weight and I would like to see that being commonplace with physio so I'd like to see patients coming in knowing that they can talk to us about those factors um we're, we're physio specialists we're physical mm. physical specialists so sure how do you mitigate the the risks of it feeling judgmental even bringing that up or mm. thinking that you're making an inference of cause aren't you like they think you're coming in with they're coming in with sorbets and then the fact yeah. that raising those factors they think sometimes they instinctively think they're inferring that that's the cause whereas actually mm -hmm. I fell down the stairs like piss off yeah 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 you, you do have to approach it very carefully don't you because yeah I think that where, for me personally my emphasis is always on you know we'll, we'll talk about the problem itself and then when I explore those behaviors it, it, it's an invitation to discuss that thing so I, I don't think it ever works when you say to someone you know do you think you're a healthy weight well actually no I'm a bit overweight okay well I'm now going to give you all of this information we're really <laughs> going to talk about how your weight is a problem which which is you know already we know there's a taboo right. with that as well because people come in don't they and they tell us oh I've got knee pain my GP told me it's my weight but even if I lose weight I've got knee pain so we do have to be careful, but normally I, I will kind of invite them into the conversation. So, so say for smoking, say, you know, do, and, and do you smoke at the moment? And, and they'll, they'll say yes. Um, and I'll say, oh, is that something that, you know, you've ever thought of cutting down with or quitting? Is that something you've tried? Um, and, and they might say, oh, well, yes, I have. And I've tried and I've gone back to it or, or I haven't at all. Um, and then normally I say, oh, the, the only reason I ask is is because did, did you know that smoking can kind of affect your healing times? It can affect your tissues and how they kind of cope with with loads oh, and yeah. and then kind of lead it in. So the way you ask it, I think is very important. And then from there, people often say to me, I didn't realize smoking affected my tissue. I, I knew it affected my lungs. But I didn't realise. So you're you're asking it in a very genuine way for a reason, rather than do you smoke? That's the problem. If if that makes sense. It's a great, it's a great shout. I'm going to go into um, and, and we'll try Darren again in a second because I've just seen him pop back up and hopefully <laughs> we look like we're going to get somewhere closer. He's pointing to his ears. Uh, I assume he's not showing off new earrings. I think he's got some headphones in. So we're going to bring him in in a second um, about the sort of service level stuff. Mm. Uh, but also, what you've just said there is a killer. Is that when people it's really genuine because often we find that fascinating don't we like it's not that mm. I mean, it's fairly recent that we've come to realize just the overt physiological differences and changes that it makes um with smoking and stuff and i think that then 
it's 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 easy for it to come across non-judgmental because it's not you know we just didn't genuinely like mm. who, who were to know especially those that have been long addicted to cigarettes are like little bit little did they realize some of that sequelly and and that's where mm. it can become across as really genuine so yeah let's see if we can get darren back in and, and go into some of those service level governance bits but uh, darren are we there yes we most certainly are Fantastic. Hey. Brilliant. well thanks for, thanks for joining i'm sorry about all that that uh, tech issue um so you've been hopefully still able to hear where we've gone so far in the conversation and one of the things i really wanted to get stuck into really is if you could set the scene on on the service level stuff so becky had said if you could point to what was as well as what is but then also just start to speak to what it is that's that connective supported you on and what service level changes you've been able to make the others that are listening in that could potentially look to implement to take your lead so yeah, it's 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 been a huge journey over the last four years, five years, particularly for myself. This case, we've been looking at, you know, we we know the the what's and the why's of why smoking, physical activity, weight loss, and alcohol conversations are really important, but we've never got down to the kind of how we do it at a service level or even from a clinician conversation point of view. Um, so it's it's been one of the building blocks where we initially started this journey years ago building up patient resources being patient information leaflets about these these topics as a soft touch approach being like these are the options um and then it's obviously over the last few years it's developed where social prescribing has become a bit more prevalent in the media and in practice and from a service point of view it's it's really got a rocket up its back backside over the last year with <laughs> of Hal Brace first of all and obviously Nick Livadas as well. Um, from a service point of view, we've mainly looked at the soft touch approach. We've also looked at building up the partnerships with link workers, and you know we wouldn't be here having this conversation today if it wasn't for the CCG and the support being pioneering the, like they they're chasing changes which is brilliant and supporting us every step of the way which is exciting to hear and see brilliant because it takes for that it takes for that support doesn't it for it to really break through uh, your audio is coming through fairly clearly but it's just a little quiet darren so i know it's as, as, a, as basic as me just asking for you to speak up a touch just so that you match our man and becky's noisy volume uh, but otherwise what i wonder is just how replicable do you feel that some of the changes that you make it like how much of it is individual clinicians then just uh, having brave conversations and providing signposts and opportunities and how much of it is a, a service level infrastructure change that needs to be inspired from bosses 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 yeah and i i think a good portion of it comes from we all have the same time pressures in clinic time management isn't an issue it's a prioritization issue that's what time management is. And lucky enough, we have a, a, a senior leadership team who are prioritizing public health, social prescribing, and these making every contact count changes. Right. Um, from a clinician perspective, we've obviously upskilled everyone. We've kind of, we haven't rested on our laurels thinking that every physio is really good at having weight loss, physical activity and smoking conversations. So we've invested in MI training, invested in obviously with the help of first contact clinical um healthy eating smoking cessation and alcohol cessation training as well as building it into the templates that we use so then it's it's reinforcing it every single template that you, you run for a client a patient that we're encouraging people to have these conversations 
Um, as, as we all know, MI, better conversations and in a non-judgmental way whilst asking permission. So the key thing is brief interventions. You need to ask permission. It's like if we're not, if, if, if we're just going head first into these conversations without asking the patient's permission, as Becky alluded to, you're, they're going to put up their defenses. Yeah, if, if if the patient lets on some hints and that then means, well, you now, you crack your knuckles and say, well, you now qualify for my my best sentence on weight loss, smoking, alcohol, other other um, other vices you may have that I'm therefore going to just deliver my favourite line on. That is just not, it's not patient-centred. It's also something that doesn't truly offer a shared decision-making opportunity. What are, I mean, one of the things I want to ask the audience, especially those that are tuning in live and you can get stuck in, especially now that we've sort of stabilized our little tech issues. So thank you for your patience, those that are tuning in live. I want to ask you guys, what are your perceptions of this sort of topic? Do you find that easy? Do you find it easy to raise? If, if not, as many of you, from what I can gather, find these sorts of things tough. I know I do. What is it about them that's difficult? And therefore we can ask Becky and Darren as to how they come overcome those because I'm sure they've encountered them too. This seems like they're, they're not pretending this stuff's easy. They're just saying that on the service level as well as their experience, they've then been able to overcome it. So please do let us know any of the particulars so that I don't uh, carry on guessing. A few comments that have come in already. Thank you to Gemma who said that it's a great topic to chat today. A lot of requests for us to visit stuff like this. So I really do appreciate you guys coming on. We've also got an undergraduate perspective from a third year here from Gareth who said it's integrated in how it's integrated into the service. So I want to go there then just for a little mm -hmm. longer is what do you feel is different about how these things are being integrated into a service rather than them just being make sure you do these talking points which i think every service has been there so what do you feel is different that seems to be cutting through and and, and delivering quality outcomes as you're measuring them so far yeah and it's it's building into the system so you know we're, we're privileged privileged to have a, a data team behind us where we right. can actually say yeah, we've had over 7,000 conversations about these topics since September. And we're not naive enough. You know, we're we're not naive. We know that that doesn't mean that everyone's going to stop smoking because of conversation about it. <laughs> Be nice. Yeah, it would be. But we know that having the conversations is the first point and then measuring that we're having, having them. And then it's refining and reflecting and, and making sure that we, we, we nail some of them topics and and it's not on us. It's 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 a partnership. We we need to get away and rethink the way that we deliver physio and think that it's just us. We're, we're going to go in more problem solvers and we'll fix everything and have everyone exercising every day and so forth. Um, but back to the 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 hows and the the whats. It's a case of this journey started because we're like, how can we make a long lasting impact on the people and the population that we serve in South Tyneside. That, that, that's ultimately the question. And we're not firefighting, you know, loads and loads of MSK conditions. We know that all our health uh, campaigns and stuff where we're looking at diabetes, long-term MSK conditions, I think how we do this. Um, and just a final topic on that is like how, how, is looking for that segue in and the segue now post-covid at this moment is people talking about the quarantine 15 and putting on a bit extra pounds it's like okay. oh i'm just curious to know you know 
in terms of your waste side of things is, is do you need any support with that so it's the ask act advice ask do they need any support act if they advise if they they want the signpost and and act if they want referral on to specialist services and that that's my mm -hmm. just keep it brief yeah no, that's great i mean becky i'll bring, I'll bring you in on especially this point if, if we mm -hmm. can, because there's a lot of uh, comments coming in now uh, across linkedin and facebook etc uh, of people saying about the weight being the most sensitive topic to approach with patients and joe baxter's made a good point here where it feels like smoking and drinking it's something that's overt that you can do it's kind of more obvious in a sense whereas weight just feels a little bit more personal as well as mm -hmm. the fact that it's a bit more subtle as to the the, the, the reason sometimes overlapping with those other other things but but mm. um if that's something you've experienced either yourself or as a service yeah i think i think we've, we've all had those conversations haven't you you know you start up a conversation you can see it going down this wrong path where someone's taking it personally but but actually i think we've got a perception as well we're quite fearful sometimes of having these conversations but actually when you open the dialogue there's a lot of people out there that that do want help. They do want to lose weight. They do want to make behavior change, but they don't know where to start. And actually, when you look at the evidence behind behavior change, we know it's not just as simple as saying, I smoke, I know smoking's bad for me, so I'm going to stop. That, that doesn't work, just telling someone to stop doing something. And I think in terms of kind of our service where we do quite well is is that we're, we're very aware of what services are around us we've got first contact clinical got some weight management services smoking cessation services and really as physios we don't have to do it all we have to plant the seeds mm -hmm. so you know we we sow the seeds and that's quite difficult because with time constraints i think like I said, I think when you're sowing the seed, you can't just shove the seeds on and just say, oh, you smoke, that's bad for you, quit smoking. You need to go into a bit more detail. But as we said earlier, the other thing is, is if you go into too much detail, then you're almost sidetracking the appointment and, and the knee pain that they're there for. So it's yeah. finding that in-between level. And that's where those services and knowing what's in your area is brilliant. Because if you've got a social prescribing service who can focus on X, Y and Z, social isolation, all those other things as well incorporated, fantastic. Use your services. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a really interesting uh, way of seeing it because I think we've got to our analysis of what the biggest fish to fry is is quite subjective but I think that sometimes our instincts are pretty good there and sometimes it is worth especially with the permission and they're sometimes inviting that on it's worth going down that that route often because that that technically is something that is a really key intervention to that presentation whereas if you if you balance that poorly and it's something that is a factor, but it's not the burning factor that's affecting the questions that they have and what their hopes and goals are and expectations from that appointment, then that's going to go awry. That says how people get lost to follow up and how we sometimes then lose on a, on a prem level. Um, it also speaks to what Joe Turner said here, which is that, she says a great discussion, but also there's a flip side that patients know there are wider issues and they're sometimes waiting for the clinician that will go there with them. That seems to speak to what you're describing there, Becky, where actually when we dip our toe in the water, it ain't that cold and that sometimes we can just get stuck in. Is that is that mm -hmm. based on both the experience and the data? Like, is that what's bringing to bear with you guys having done this work? Is that what seems to be coming up? Um, and, and are there any deleterious consequences that are cropping up as well? I think from I don't know from the data point of view, Darren can probably speak from that side a bit more from just being a senior clinician that's 
doing the appointments on the ground um I, I do think that that yeah people are really receptive to these conversations and and because we are as clinicians being encouraged and pushed to to have those conversations even if they're uncomfortable for us or the patient um you'll soon know if someone doesn't want to talk about it because they'll shut you down and if if, if that's the case and they say no smoking is my coping mechanism i'm really stressed at the moment i don't want to speak about it that's fine we move on and we don't pursue it um so so yeah i don't know darren if you've got anything to add yeah and it's always been a personal bias of mine because i'm just interested in the area so that's why i've always asked it and sure. I've developed a bit of an interest asking talking about these factors because personally i grew up in a pub in ireland all i was surrounded by was alcohol smokers and inactive people and it, 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 it was just in my nature to talk to people about it. Um, but in terms of from a experience point of view, people are very receptive to it. As long as you don't push past that, ask permission, brief intervention, they say no, right, we'll move on. That's it. And it's a non-judgmental approach because this is a long-term change. And some of the evidence is, is around seven touch points where you know, you know, your shared decision making and seven touch points that at the seventh point, that's when people makes make, make changes in terms of their behavior. If they're hearing it from the GP, hearing it from us, hearing it from a couple of interventions along the way. Yeah. And that's where some of the mech stuff is going, training non-healthcare related people in these conversations, which is quite, quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things I'd add there as well is that if you do, if you do it appropriately and subtly, even though there's not an opening there, if you don't, I'm mixing my metaphors here with openings or whatever, but I'm meaning like if you don't burn that bridge, right? If that's something that you can then, a few sessions in, the rapport's then well built, you've not ended up sort of spoiling it by trying to be too forceful with trying to have those conversations that aren't particularly the back and forth isn't forthcoming, then it may well be that when rehabilitating someone, they're starting to overcome some of the acute nature of their symptoms. They're then noticing that they're uh, sometimes a little bit noticing I'm, I'm out of breath sooner than I thought doing these squats, right? That might therefore be a, a context in which it feels more comfortable for them, or they might even often, so often, they'll invite that and say, you know, it's making me realize how out of shape I've managed to get, especially in the context of which we've all been. Then that's the more appropriate thing, which you will you will lose that opportunity if you spoil it front end, right? If you if you get it wrong early doors and you you're too clumsy there. Although, you know, granted, we've all got to make those mistakes, haven't we? Let's be fair. But it's just more if you if you become if you become a bit of an ideologue on it, you know, if you start to become a bit vociferous with those conversations, you're going to miss those other opportunities that are more appropriate. And they're just not going to emerge and present themselves to you, as well as the fact that the patients are probably falling off your list before you even manage to do that again. Uh, we've had some uh, lovely comments coming in, including some from some, some of your colleagues. Andrew Cuff's backing your points here with regards to the data. He says, what's more impressive is how at the same time period that the South Townside team has had over 7,000 making every contact count conversations, the patient experience measures have significantly improved. It's easy to do this badly. And then here, here I go. I always have to bloody zoom in, get my eyeglasses out and try and work out how I'm resting it. So I missed the bit. What's he said? Easy to do this badly, much more difficult to do this well, and you guys are smashing it. Thank you for sharing. Lovely. That's thanks for that, uh, Andrew. That's really interesting because I think one of the criticisms that could get leveled at someone that's just thinking about this without reviewing the objective side of it is that that's all well and good doing it, but the patients aren't going to like it. That's not what the data is showing. Is that something that either of you, if you're honest, thought might be a, a, a an unintended consequence of this, or did you always have the confidence that you were always going to nail it and do it well? 
I had lots of reservations about it. <laughs> Over the last few years, I've been that's been my main area of focusing on the qualitative feedback and feeding back to the team. Um, and it was always we've always done quite well with these conversations and normal conversations in the region. But when we've made that shift, there's been that change, and I didn't expect it to be perfectly blunt. Um, right. uh, but yeah, I would have, would have expected a general drop off a little bit because it's a bit of violation, expect, expectation violation, people coming in, not expecting mm. conversations and then we're going off on a tangent. But because we've focused on the upskilling the team to have the conversations, that's what, why I believe there hasn't been that negative consequence. Mm, um, absolutely. Lovely contributions here from Gareth Ockenden, who's saying now, and Becky, I want to bring you in on this because it speaks to what Darren's just said there about perception and, and, and sometimes our own. I love it when it violates our own expectation there. There's nothing more spectacular than when your <laughs> expectations are then, especially because we know how much, how biased we are that that sometimes dictates the outcome. It's that sometimes our reservations are what then colours the outcome, whereas when something like this is so strong that it, it challenges it, it's brilliant. Gareth's then making a point. In that perception case, if it going a bit further in terms of patient expectations with regards to, to physio, he said about being a hands-on profession and the patient appointment expectations being similar and expecting that. Do we feel the information carries less strength with patients when it's just giving it instead of a GP or doctor? What do you reckon for that? So I think, again, it's, it's probably about actually where we are at the moment with physio, where we've come from and where we're going. So I think probably for some patients yes they expect those conversations from gps and don't expect it from physios but something i feel strongly about and you know why we're keen to come on here and talk about it and push it forward is that we can change patient perception but it's going to take time and we need to be going in a similar direction so you know with mskr and the reforms and things like that as well it helps um it is right. It is a difficult conversation to have sometimes. But the other thing that I think that might be a bit of a catalyst for change is with COVID, with so much of it being virtual, people have had to start to change about the way they thought about physiotherapy anyway, because a lot of things have been virtual. And I've had patients that have said, I didn't think you could virtually do physio, but you can. And actually, virtual appointments give us this really amazing opportunity to start to build on these conversations because we haven't got the hands-on skills when we're on a telephone, but we can focus on those other lifestyle intervention things. And I think I think someone on the, the, the chat said they're a student as well, and that's something that I'm hoping with, with um, you know, virtual placements, connect running virtual placements, I hope students are getting that education, whereas before, probably in clinic, when I was a student, it was all get in, assess, get your hands on, let's do that. And, and these conversations kind of took a took a side sidestep, but now they can be at the forefront. So it's changing. We've got to push for the change um, and, and keep going. Well, I think that that's, that's something that a recognition as well as both in terms of us giving the, the sort of reflections on our own cases and caseloads, but also then the data backing that up and then no doubt being able to then replicate that on mass as you guys are doing with thousands of interventions means that 
we can back ourselves to know that that can be a powerful intervention. It's not an aside. It's not a hopeful, just give them a business card that's got the right link on it, a signpost. It can be a bit more involved in that where appropriate. And I think that's going to really back that contemporary practice that we're promoting. And I agree, it really just fits into the wider agenda of raising standards and, and reforming MSK practice. So, but of course, I would say that. I mean, you're all, I mean, I love you as an audience, but you're all buggers for doing this, right? Last five minutes, I'm over time and your brilliant comments start flooding it. So I'm going to go for another couple of minutes, but I've got to, I've got to then wrap up. But anyway, thank you so much to Claire for this great point about patients are often in a cycle of sleep, pain, limited energy to exercise, leading to the diets and stuff. And you end up with this funny cause and effect cycle, don't you? And I think that that's something that it's really helpful for us as clinicians to recognize that these things aren't, you know, is chicken and egg more often than not, right? It's not the fact that it's like, well, those bad decisions have led to then these poor health, health outcomes and therefore just nip that in the bud. It's almost like a, a beating stick on people. Of course, it's more than that. And that's something we just need to sort of grow up a little bit on. And sometimes the physio perception of sort of Mr. and Miss motivator sometimes can play against that, can't it? Darren, sorry, you were going to come in on that next. Yeah, I was just going to come on on that sleep comment because, as we're saying, we almost want to build on. It's like building blocks. So if someone patients coming in and their main focus is getting their sleep better, and we give them the tools, strategies, whatever to help with their sleep, then that's suddenly a building block that you're positively building on. And then it's a case of then the conversation goes to smoking or alcohol or physical activity, and then you just keep on building and building and ultimately with the brief interventions and as Becky alluded to with the underground side of things we we need to start at grassroots and 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 that comes from helping kids in school with the right beliefs and right uh, understanding of mm. these factors and that that is a project in the background that we're looking at right. getting involved in schools um and at the undergrad level in terms of teaching these things health promotion and and te teaching the mech stuff and to, to 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 put our hands up like we're not claiming we have anywhere near the right answers for all this stuff <laughs> but, it's on it's ongoing isn't it right if we just delayed that gratification for let's just wait for everything to be finalized and stuff and we'll miss the opportunity to start inspiring that change which is where we'll, where the data will come from so we've got to continue to do that but yeah we're not promising that this is the answer but it's on the right it's moving in the right direction and we're backing that with both the subjective and an objective analysis yeah, we, we'd love people to come in, reach out, contact myself, Becky, Hal, Nick, because we just want to yeah. develop this. This is our focus. And, you know, we're, we want to lead with humility, first of all, curiosity about where this could go and then actually just build on that, because ultimately that's 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 our focus and our priority, working mm -hmm. with the great team that we have. And, yeah, you know, sure. it's not to say none of this would have been possible without them. So. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a great point and a lovely place for us to finish. Nick, uh, Nick, who we mentioned earlier, um, is definitely knows how to get me to pull a comment up by using a phrase of which is, of course, central to MSKR's manifesto for reform. If you haven't checked that out before, then please do look at mskreform.org.uk and download the free PDF either in long form or summary, which explains a little bit about what some of the structural level reforms that would support work, such as what Becky and Darren are talking about here, uh, that, of course, we did in conjunction with Connect Health at the time. But he said, if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? absolutely the mantra in which we all need to remind ourselves of is that essentially we are the workforce in which we can instigate these changes and sometimes it's easy for us to sort of shake his fist upwards and assume and hope that things might change from the top down but essentially it's amazing what we can do as a grassroots community then trying to and appropriately testing the interventions of which we then deliver and change and you've been a perfect example of that as the project emerges i'm going to 
challenge you on air to, to give me an answer and say you will come back on the show and tell me about any updates and you and the team know that you're welcome for this platform and any of ours for us to shout about good work but also for us to be honest about the fact that this stuff is appropriately challenging some of the dated interventions of which we need to also try to rid ourselves of. And it's only if we can elevate this stuff to know that it is credible and it makes the difference. And it's not a second poor cousin to manipulation and, and, and other treatments of which might feel a bit trendier in any given moment. We need to recognize that that balance of conversation needs to continue to happen. And, and thank you for joining me to discuss it. So it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been great. Well, take care. And uh, thanks a lot, everyone. We'll see you next week for more Tune It Over. But for now, I'm going to hopefully hit a button. It's going to play a video and then we're done for the week. So bye. And we'll just awkwardly wave until it does.